0: theyeshiva.net So today's class is dedicated by Razel Rubin in memory of her father, her dear father, Reb Avram Leib, Ben Reb Elimelech Israel, in tribute and honor of the yartzeit on Dalad Elo the four, fourth day of Elul, to Hei Moshe and it should remain an eternal source of blessing and inspiration for you and for the family and for all of us and for all Klal Yisrael. Amen. And thank you, thank you very much. So we're up to Perek Chav Zion, the 27th chapter. It's page Reish Memtes. And I just, here, we're coming to the last piece that we're gonna learn. The, the mimer, a few at the end it says, uh, after Lahatik Ahmed Beyes is, didn't give over the, 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 the author of this maimed, the one who said it. He gave out in writing till the end of Lamed Bez till the end of chapter 32. And then there's one more paragraph. So it doesn't even completely, uh, I mean, the, the theme is covered, but apparently there was more. So we're going to learn now the last piece. And, but let's just summarize some of the main points. <clears throat> I'm not talking now a detailed summation, but just general so be able to see the the thrust. The Maime we started learning Parsha's Matis, because it's a pasik for Matis. Where Moshe Rabbeinu tells Mashem tells Moshe to take revenge from the Midianim before he passes away. And and Moshe speaks to the Jews and he says, Hey Chaltsumiithem let's mobilize from you, a thousand people per tribe, altogether 12,000 troops, to take the revenge of Hashem against Midian. And he sends them out. The question is why this was uniquely connected to the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. This had to be done through Moshe Rabbeinu, and it had to be done the last thing before he passed away, the last big war before he passed away. Like, so to speak, this is the completion of his life. That was one issue. The next issue was that it, you see in Halacha, the mafarshim explained, that Midian, the fight with Midian, wasn't to inherit their property. wasn't to inherit the land. It was a fight against Midian, against Midian itself. And not only that, Marisha, it's the only war, Moshe says, It's a nekama of Hashem. It's directly connected to Nikmas Hashem. And he uses the word not yei but hei al it should have said, me'itchem. Some of you should be mobilized. Yechaltzum hey, means all of you. And then he says some of you. That was the introduction. From this we went into the long discussion what Midian is. The word Midian comes from the word mudin. Madoin means quarreling, fighting. Miriva. disputes. In Lashon Kodesh, the word Midian comes from the word Madayn, And that's what says in Zayar. In Zayar and in Kisvi Harizal, that the opposite of Midian in Kedusha is Ava, and in Klipa in negativity, it's Ava, it's hatred. Midian is a lot of fighting. And this started the whole explanation that therefore Midian is the very antithesis of Yutke Vavke, of Shema Vaya, of Nikmas Hashem, because the definition of Kedusha is Ahtos, unity, versus divisiveness. Esav says Yeshli Koil. I'm sorry, Esav says Yeshli Rov. Yaakov Avinu says Yeshli Koil. From this he went into the whole union of sinas chinam, of hatred. And that The hatred is called hatred of chinam. It's baseless. What does it mean it's baseless? It doesn't mean it's baseless, there's no reason. When somebody hates somebody, there's a reason for it. But we're calling that reason sinas chinam, because it's essentially your mitzius that I can't tolerate. It's not that you, Pasha, did something to me. And the question is how bad it was, can I forgive you? That's not what it is. It's basically there's I have a problem with the very relationship. Your existence, your existence, your being, your identity is dangerous for me. And this is the long, long explanation that we explain what that means. Because the person's own brokenness, the person's own rad, the person's own yeshas, their own brokenness from the ain't safe, and therefore a relationship, a real connection is dangerous. It doesn't have to do with what you did. I'll already find a thousand things you did. Don't worry. <laughs> that comes afterwards. But I'm not, it's very hard for me to identify the core. The core of it, that's the issue. Things you'll find every day, you'll find the new, new is, uh, there's something called today, they call it confirmation bias. You know what confirmation bias? Measure bias means if you have a certain hanache in your head, in your heart, this is the way it is. Yeah you will find everywhere proof that you're right. The most basic example for this is, and this is unfortunately not uncommon, a child decides in school that he's stupid. He's unworthy of attention. He's unworthy of success. He can't learn. He can't succeed. And he has proof. He got on his test. He got a 45. So that means you really... You're a failure at Only one problem. The next test, he got 99. So what does he do? He says, oh, everybody got 99. It was an easy test. The next test, he got 105 with extra credit. He says, the teacher cheated for me because he felt bad for me because he knew how sad I was. He felt bad for me. And so the next few tests, the next few tests is, Oh, this, yeah, This these answers were simple here. There wasn't a real test. And then, after another 10 tests, he gets a 65. I told you I'm stupid. In other words, there's a pattern. Everything is going to fit into that pattern. Now you have the opposite child, the child who thinks he's a success story. <laughs> right? He's, he has the wisdom of Shlema Melech. Okay? He got 100 on his test. The next test, he gets a 45. He says, the teacher, you think he knows how to make tests? doesn't <laughs> know how to make tests. <laughs> and the next one, yeah, he's trying. He, hey, the teacher has a problem. He doesn't want me to win. He wants the other boy to this. <laughs> so, of course, uh, of course I'm failing. And then the other one, everybody failed. He doesn't know how to ask questions. And I didn't have time to prepare. And I was never here. And I was sick. And then, after another 10 tests, he gets a 90. I told you I was smart. No, who's right? <laughs> The answer is, that's confirmation bias. In Pasha Shoeftim it says, "Right, there's different types of bribery. There's a bribery of money, but there's even a deeper bribery. A bribery of money you could see. You could see, right? You gave me $10,000, you gave me $100,000 for Shoechat. There's a check I could deposit in the bank. They say that there was once a... Shoechat makes people blind. And they... (laughs) That's a that's a cute joke. There was a love, Unfortunately, he was known to uh, be susceptible to bribery. He got older. He got deaf. It was hard of hearing. It's his wife, you know, a wife always knows what to say. She said, "I don't understand." It says, You should have become blind. Why did you become deaf? She asks her husband. Maybe she had to write it on a paper. She had to scream. I don't know how it did it. She so says, "I never saw the money. I just heard the promises." <laughs> They never actually gave the money. (laughs) The shaykhad was not with my eyes, it was with my ears. They pledged, they pledged. (laughs) But shaykhad, there's there's money shaykhad, there's a much deeper shaykhad. And that's the shaykhad we're talking here about, and that is my internal system (laughs) is trapped in a certain way of looking at things. And everything is going to be a confirmation to that and if not I'll find some explanation for it that you have to address because it has very little to do with the person you're having a relationship with it has maybe a little to do with that but it has to do with my own internal image who I am as a person that was the whole arichis about what is. so you're looking at that you're hating the other person it's really yourself that you hate you have not made peace with yourself and that's the whole the Dakota. He speaks about Bittel and Yeshus and what K'dush is and what Sitra Acher is. One is Ain Soif. One is connected to the Ain Soif. One is the source of Ain And From this he went into the idea of unity. Does unity mean no differentiations? No. Unity means the inclusion of diversity. On the contrary, everything has in it, everything has in it, uh, paradoxes. And when I could connect with the paradoxes in me, I could connect with the paradoxes outside of me. This was the long, long ariches. And then in Avayda, how people deal with other people that they can't stand and have to put down people and denigrate people, especially people oh, who you feel could become a competition for you because they're on the same frequency, and sometimes it's disguised that I only love simple people, I don't love people with you know personalities, and really it's my own yeshes. This was a long, long discussion. And it could be the yeshes, the arrogance that comes in from the avodah of mirirus, frustration, which seems like very, very refined and edel, but it's really feeding off this toxicity and even the avodah of simcha and so forth. But after this whole, after this whole explanation, Perikidzayin, he said, now we understand what in the com- nikmas Hashem b'midyan is, and this Moshe Rabbeinu had to accomplish. Moshe Rabbeinu had to achieve it, and why the sin of sinas chinam is responsible for the second gallus. Because it's not as particular midah. The seven nations represent the seven midas. Midian is the source of the seven midas. It's not even one of the seven nations that had to conquer Nazareth all. It's the source of it. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who, who embodies Vinachnuma, real bittel, and therefore Moshe empowers empow- the Jewish people to do this. And that's the heichal because everyone is mobilized in this war. In order to understand this on a much deeper level, he went in and paid to the whole discussion of how unity and diversity works in the beginning of creation. And from this we went into Shema Avaya and Shema Elikim, the whole Ariches, and Hashem Hu Elikim, which then brought us into the letters of Yud Hey and Vav and Chachma and Bina, like we spoke in last year, and Havain beChachma that there's a paradox there, but they come together because in Havaya, you have the ultimate ribui and you have the ultimate achdos, but it's undefined, and that comes out in the two names, are U'alikim. That's a very, very brief, a summation of at least some of the subjects that we touched upon. So now he goes, let's say, to understand this more. You first have to understand the helem and gili. Helem is concealment, and gili is revelation. In the first, first source, Chachma and Bina, we said Chachma is helam, Bina is Gilui. Why? Chachma is the way an idea is completely concealed and it's emerging from its concealment. And even after the epiphany, it still remains nebulous, it's not concrete, it's not tangible, it's not defined. It doesn't have many oasis to define it, as we explained in the previous classes. Bina is Gilui, Bina is all about manifestation, it's clear, it's articulate, it's definitive, you would think that Bina is deeper than Chach, but really, Helam is always deeper than Gilu, because the reason it's untangible is because it's rooted in the subconscious. It's a flow that comes from a much deeper place, so it's more infinite. It's not so structured. It's not so structured. Bina is all about structure. That was the Mnukudah, Helam and Gilu. But he says Helam and Gilu, or in other words, it's Ayin and Yesh. Ayin is Helam, no thingness is concealed, and Yesh is Gilu. Yesh means it's tangible, it's manifested. Yesh is just one. Way of defining the iron. It's the way the iron becomes congealed. It's like the water becomes frozen in ice. When the water is fluid, I can't I can't control it. A piece of ice I could hold on to. I don't know if I can hold on to it, it gets a little cold, but at least I can put it in my mouth. Right? It's defined. I could put it in my mouth as a defined cube, whatever it looks like. Of course, water you can also put in your mouth, but the point is water is a fluid, it's not it's not congealed. So he says, Hellam and Gili begins in the first Shadish where Kamayh Shamarazal, this is the Gemara says in Mesach Shabbos, Bethiliya, Bethilas Bidias in the beginning of the creation of the world. In the beginning was darkness, and then was light. What's the meaning of this? This is a very interesting piece in Gemara Mesechel Shabbos, Ayin as he says in the footnote 136. The Gemara tells their fascinating story. The Bzeda met Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Zayda was a Talmud of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was one of the greatest Amirayim, and Rabbi Yehuda was standing at the door of his house, and Rabbi Zayda saw that his Rebbe, Rabbi Yehuda is Bdichedayte. He's in what you would call in a very, uh, in a charming mood, in a in, in, in a festive, uh, in a joyful mood. Bdichedayte. And Rabbi Yehuda tells Rabbi Zayda, you can ask me any question, Tachas Alma, and I'll answer you. Any question in the space of the universe, meaning anything you want to ask about the world in the whole khalal in the whole space of our of our world, you can ask. Interesting expression. So the Pzeda has an opportunity of an opportunity of a lifetime. The Gadol Hador is saying, "Freg vasdevilst," right? Shaal, what's the lotion? Shaal mi veetna. Yeah, ask whatever you want. So the Bzayda asks a question. You know what his question is? My time, easy mazgun Why is it that in most farms and fields the goats go ahead of the sheep? If you were to be given an offer to ask one question in life from the greatest, one of the greatest personalities alive, what would you ask? (laughs) Why do the goats go before the sheep? Usually. If you have sheep and you have goats, the goats go ahead. Why? So the Behuda said, Kibriyasu They follow the trajectory of creation. How did creation happen? first came dark, then came light. So Rashi says, Stam Izim Stam rechei Generally, goats have a darker colour, and sheep, most of them are white. So who goes first? Darkness goes before light. And the goats have a dark color, so of course they go ahead. says, Erev, Voiker, Yoy First came night, then came morning. That's how it follows. And that's how we follow in halachir, right? Night comes before day. You don't start Shabbos, Shabbos morning, you start Friday evening, by sunset. That's Rabbi Yehuda's answer to the B'Seinah. So, <laughs> it's an interesting question. It's an interesting answer. So, obviously, there's a, there's a profound. And Abzeda wasn't uh, Stam. <laughs> wasn't his, his whole life, he was thinking why the goats go first. <laughs> it's a question to ask Behuda, And then Abihuda gives him some an answer. So, the husband is. So, this is going to be the husband. Abzeda and Abihuda were addressing something very deep. And that's the Nukud here. We spoke before about Chachma and Binah. Chachma and Bina are what you would call later stages in the the development of creation. But in the first shaylish in the beginning of creation, you have darkness and you have light. You have helam concealment and Gili revelation. Vaisachtos lios mechoshech vehelam er vegilui u'meagilui helam. And therefore, you also have the unity that we're talking about, the paradoxical unity, that from darkness came light, from concealment came revelation, and therefore the opposite also. From revelation, you can go back to concealment. Just like we spoke the way it's manifested in Chachman and Bina. Chachma and Bina are really opposites. And yet they become two friends that work together. Not always, but generally they work together. The wellspring is morphed, develops into a river, the Nekudah of Chachma gravitates to Bina, that's the Koyt Satacht in the lower part of the Yud. The lower, the protrusion, the lower protrusion, thank you for the English word, of the Yud, it gravitates to Bina. And he said from Bina you come back to Chachma, that's the Nekudah Satamtis, going back to the core of the idea. Even though essentially it comes from two different places in the soul, it has two different characteristics, Chachma is is, 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 is is not Metzius and Bin is Metzius. Chachma is Ayin, Bin is Yesh. Chachma is Helam, Bin is Gilui. Chachma is Bittel. Bin is Tfissa, you grab, you, you own, you control. But nonetheless, he says, because they're rooted both in the source, which is undefined, Hashem himself, so therefore Chachma and Bin are one in the source. Because Hashem is not defined by hella, by Concealment or by gilui, And therefore, even the way it's manifested in the human psyche, the two not only work together, but they work in cahoots, and there's a special unity between them. As I told you, the Zoyar says they're two inseparable friends. Even though you see that it's clearly two distinct things, and there are people that have a gewaldica talent and skill for Chachma and not for Bina. They're the ultimate inventors and creators but can't articulate or explain, and then you have the opposite. Those who are extraordinary um, communicators and developers, but don't ask them to come up with the idea, because you're not going to have anything. Nonetheless, the two come together. So he says, this starts off, not in Chachmem it starts off in the source, in the beginning, that from darkness came light, and from the light you go back to concealment. What's the meaning of this? What's Rabbi Yehuda talking about? So literally, you say, he's talking about night and day. first came night, then came day. But that itself is a manifestation of a deeper reality. So here we come to the famous sugya in Kabbalah that the Arizal articulated and revealed, known as the Tzimtzum. The do what's known, Masha Beit What it says in Eitzchayim. Eitzchayim, the Tree of Life, is a work. It's one of the most seminal works. ...of Kabbalah's Harizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria... ...that was written by his student, Rabbi Chaim Vital. prime Chaim Vital was a, a student just for two years... ...from Shin Lamed to Shin Lamed Beis, 1570 to 1572... ...when the Rizal passed away in Svas Hayav... ...he only taught for two years after the passing of the Ramak... Rabbi Moshe Cordovero in Shin Lamed of Gimel Thomas 1570... ...and the Rizal then took over and taught for two years. Rabbi Chaim Vital was his prime student... ...and he wrote down many of his teachings... And one of the most famous books is Eitz Chaim, the Tree of Life. So in the beginning of Eitz Chaim, it's divided into portals and chapters. Sha'arim. Every Shar has a name. Like the first Shar is Shah Igulim V'yosh. Every Shar has its name. And then it has chapters. So he says, in the beginning of Eitz Chaim, Darizal says, Shah Aleph. Darizal says that pre the first Tzimtzum, and when we say pre, I just have to say, it doesn't mean a day before, a year before. It's pre, there was time. Time is also a creation. If time is also a creation, right, it says, Beresh bara. The Beresh was also created. <laughs> Beresh time is also created. Not just matter, and not just space, but also time. That's Beresh bara, le- is a shamayim Shamayim is heaven, aretz is earth, but shamayim represents space. Eretz represents matter, and B'eretz represents time. And all three were created together. Time, and space, and matter. If you have matter, you have to put it somewhere. <laughs> if you have to put it somewhere, there's a time. Right? When it's when it exists. So the three exist, the three were created, by a who transcends time. So the result says before, before B'eretzim, which is before the Tzimtzum. Again, before means before there was a before. Which is very hard to imagine. Because we live in a world of time. But before there was a concept of before. That's what kaidim means. Before what we call tzimtzum harishin. The first tzimtzum. The first uh, act of withdrawal. Or act of restriction. Or condensing. Or shrinking. Which is called makam pani. An empty space. Oirein saif. Filled makam hachala, Filled. Chalol means the emptiness. The empty space, what would later become an Andes, was filled by an Saif. Oh. So when Rabbi Yehudah told Reb Zayda, he says, Ask me all the questions of Chalala da Alma. <laughs> all the questions about the Chalal, the emptiness. He uses the word in the Chalala of the world. Now, ask me anything about the world. You can ask me about the stars. You can ask me about Mars. You can ask me about goats. But the words he uses is Chalala da Alma. And what does he speak about? The goats. And the, 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 be- the he says, this is B'yosar Shalolim, first darkness, then light. So that Ezal says, pre-creation, the light of Ein Soif, filled the entire expanse and the entire space of what we would later understand is to be a world. That whole reality of life, the reality of existence, the reality of the world, the reality of Mitzis, pre-creation, what is it? It's it's light of Ain Saif, so fills it. So there was only the revelation of Ain Saif, so the light of Ain Saif, so the light of infinity, the way it was, the way it is alone. Shalze Amar, on this the Chazal say, this is an expression in Pirke, de Rabbi Eliezer, that comes from Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, Rabbi Eliezer the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva, one of the greatest Tanoim, in Pirkei the Rebbe Lezer, he says, nivra wa Pre-creation was him and his name alone. This is an Isis of Pirkei de Rebbe Leze. it's not Isis of Kabbalah. Darizal puts it, soif kol We say in Davening, Ata kaddash kaddash. You're holy and your name is holy. Does so, it mean you're na- holy and your name is holy? You're holy, your name is holy, no? It's two things, there's ata and there's shimcha. V'chein, in minchedavening, we say, ata echad, ata echad, v'shimcha echad. You're one and your name is one. <laughs> if you're one, where is there a name? But somehow there's hu hu shmai. We say it in Dav in right? Ba right? ma huyiyah, ha-shem echad, echad. The two elements. What does this mean? Shazan nikrib Shazabchin is Malchus Dain Saif. She nikri Shmeyhagadl, Shmey Rabbah, Amin Yehe Shmei Rabbah Shmeirabah, Shekal Ba Muhusi Vats Musi is Barak Mamash. The name in Kabbalah it's called Malchus of Saif. It's called his name, Shmeyhagadl, Yeh Shmey Rabbah, the great name, Mivarach. And that name was subsumed, Kalo means subsumed, included, submerged, in muhusevats musim, in his essence. What does this mean? The name, to give a simple example, the name of a person, we learned this in a few of them, the name of a person is, you don't need a name for yourself. right? You don't speak to yourself usually by calling, you do it, you speak to yourself with your name. Like you say, it's time to wake up. Sometimes people do that, right? They talk to themselves with their name. But usually, Huh? You try <laughs> For yourself, you don't need a name, right? I know myself for myself. <laughs> but somebody else, how does somebody else call me? So a person has a name for other people to be able to reach out to them. That's special to name. Also, a name allows us to have contact with it. If I want to tell you, if I want to describe to you a goat or a sheep or a deer, without a name, what am I going to describe to you? Unless I'm pointing to it. So names allow us to be able to articulate and bring ideas of the world into conversation, into communication. right? Give me your sheep, give me your goat. I saw a camel yesterday. I saw a deer this morning. I saw names. The squirrel itself doesn't need a name. The squirrel is a squirrel. But for us to be able to describe it, we have names. Vayikra adam Adam is the one who gives names. It articulates the world for us. Also when you say name, it's referring to reputation, like... You say, this person has a name. He has a name of, uh, let's, let's, a good name, yeah. Let's keep it positive this morning. A good name, only a good name. Shem What does it mean you have a good name? It means the way you're knowing. I, I don't know your essence. I know your name. Your name is what's called your light, your His The way you have an impact on people, that's your name. When you speak about Hashem's name, what does it mean? It means the way the Ain Soiv. Becomes known. It's the light of Ain that which ultimately is transmittable and transmitted to have an impact, to become the engine of the universe. That's the name. Pre creation, Hashem also had a name, but the name was completely part of his essence. They weren't separate. And it was Levat. So, what was reality? The only definition of reality was, is pre symptom Ain infinity, God's infinity, undefined infinity. Huh? Right. Then comes a simt What's simtsum? Simpsum is he. Huh? Yeah. Vinispalek ha the oil baatmu sain soif. The o' ain sov. that's Mamali Makamachal. The gilui the revelation of Ain sov that fills this space. What do we mean by space? Space is, again, there's no physical space. Again, we mean space as a concept. But the entire space that we will later call a universe is filled only by Erein Saif. That light is withdrawn. It's concealed. It's absorbed in Hashem's essence. So what remains is only a Roshim. A Roshim is an imprint the residue, the remains of the original light, one nekuda, like a yud. Like he spoke before with the mashpi and the mekabel, that he wants to communicate the whole ory, but he has to first conceal most of it, and only on nekuda remains. The nekuda zu kol Masha she'ev is This nekuda includes everything that could later develop in the system of evolution of all of the worlds. It's called Tzedir Ishtashalos, The system of evolution of all the worlds. It's all in that Nekudah. That little seminal point, which is the remainder of the light. The light had to be concealed. Why the light have to be concealed? Because of, there would be no Tzimtzum. So then, the definition of reality would be pure ain't safe. There would be no differentiation. There would be no division. There would be no eye. There would be no sense of eye. There would be no sense of I outside of, of the light, outside of Ain Saif. Hashem wanted there should be a world and a metzius of a world, so that Simtsum is what allows for the existence of otherness. So if he remains fully manifest and present and revealed, so that everything is ain't the Tsimtsum is a withdrawal. And now there's created what's called a makampani, an empty space. That empty space, the void in a revealed way of the infinite light, that becomes the space in which existence emerges. And when you say existence, we mean all of existence, not just the physical world, all of the world, what's called here the whole seder ishtar the whole system of reality from the highest to the lowest, it's all in the empty space. Again, I say empty space, I don't mean graphically, visually, uh, empty circle, but the concept of empty space which is not out of space, because Haman being created space. Yeah, so this was the big argument of the Tzimtzum is Kipshutai, Shalai Kipshutai, we spoke about it a few times. In, in, in the, the, the Baal and and the Balatanya, etcetera, etc., believed very strongly that Tzimtzum was not Kipshuta, meaning it's concealment, it's not removal. Tzimtzum doesn't mean he removed the light, he concealed the light. So the Eid Soif is present in the empty space, but it's not perceived that way in consciousness. You want to ask something? After the tzimtzum, is there anything outside of the chaloh? Of course. Of course. There's everything outside of the chaloh. He's saying if after the tzimtzum, that's why it's called the chaloh. In fact, in Eitz Chaim, there's a little picture over there. The picture is, there's a circle, which is empty, and then there's a line that comes into the circle that's called the kav in Kabbalah, that comes from the Ein Saurv that's outside of the circle. That's where there was no tzimtzum. The Tzimtzum happened creating a, carving out an empty space with the Orin Saif. Before the Tzimtzum, everything was filled with Orin Saif. Tzim. The Tzimtzum achieved that now there's a circle that has empty space. And where did the Orin Saif go to? It went to outside of the circle. That remains. That's called Orin Tzimtzum. Beyond the place of the emptiness. That's called in Kabbalah, Eagle HaGadul. Eagle HaGadul Shalifna tzimtzum. The great circle, Eagle agadol, ah, it's not it's undefined there. Certainly not in the way of yeah, Over there, over there, ah, uh, that's and Surf. Creation happens within within the mukamachalo, within the empty space where the tzimtzum happened. That's where there can be hystalshlus. So he says, but there was a Roshim left over from the earth but that's like a yud. It's an akuda. And in that Nekudah you have everything. Everything that's later going to be fleshed out and developed from the highest to lowest is all in that Yud. <speaking> in <Hebrew> this is the Nekudah page the pageration on the Nekudah after Tzimtzum. Since the original Oir, the Olimus can't receive. There can't be a world. You can't have it both ways. So he concealed the light within himself. Only a point remains. This is like a little tiny edge of it. What could be revealed in the world, and they won't forfeit their identity. It's like the metaphor we spoke earlier, chapter 21 of the mashpiyah the ultimate teacher and the ultimate student, the giver and the recipient, If the mashpia, the real mashpia, the real teacher, the real mentor, is going to shear his full light and majesty and wisdom and depth, the student will not get anything out of it. Why? Because it's above him. It's completely beyond him. It will just blind him, it will overwhelm him at best. So what does he have to do? The first thing he has to do before anything is, Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum is create space where the eye is not manifested. What does that mean? He has to conceal, doesn't have to disappear, but he has to conceal when he's communicating Not when he's communicating. When he's communicating, he has to before he's communicating, and while he's communicating, he has to conceal the full depth of his wisdom. But he can't conceal everything, because then what are you communicating? (laughs) If there's just an empty space, so there's nothing there. So one nekude is left. That nekude is that aspect which could, which could be communicated. Everything else is filtered. Everything else is filtered out. Everything else has to go into a state of concealment. This one, one, one nekuda, one seminal point, that still has to be developed because it's still beyond. That's why you need the hay and you need the vav and you need the hay. That's just the beginning. That's the yud. So the yud is still, for, for the mashpiyah, the yud is like nothing, but for the makabal, the yud is also too much. You can't just communicate the yud. It has everything inside of it but it's still too intense. It has to be fleshed out. It still has to be developed. <speaking in Hebrew> so this is an example how it's by Hashem. <speaking in Hebrew> what remains is a point, a point. is again, like you say, you know what a royshem is, yeah? Ah. An impact, a residue, something left over. You know you're you're writing a word on a piece of paper, even you erase it. You can't see the word, but there's a Roshim. There's a Psaroshim. Some residue, some some you dip your hands in oil, even when you clean your hands, but something Psaroshim remains. Yeah. It's a Roshimu, it's, it's some impact, some some residue, some surplus, some some Roshim is there. That's called Nekudas HaRoshim, That remains. That's the Yucha fi and that Reshimu, that Roshim, oh, this is already an energy that can create the worlds, that could create the identity of the worlds, and they will be the worlds the way they're supposed to be according to Hashem's plan. He's brought in Kabbalah an interesting thing. The Mishnah says in Kiddushin, Ha'isha Niknes b'shalosh be'kesef, Marriage happens through one of three things, yeah? Kesef, money. Or star, a document, or Biya, the relationship. The minik today is, the Rambam says in Hilchis issues, Vinagu call you Srol, Lakadesh, Bekesaf or Bashavakesaf. The Minig is, even though you could do the other okay bia. chazal, Rav Mangi Damanda be Babi Misham Pritzusa. They don't want Biya, but but Star you can do Allah, you can give a Shtar. But the Minig is with or Bekesafa Bashavakesaf. Either with money or with something that's worth money. And the Ramah brings in Shulchan Aruch that the minig is not just money or something that's worth money, but betabas, you give a ring. And this is from the places. The Ramah says that the source of this is zohar The Ramah, in Shulchan Aruch, it's very rare. The Ramah says this is what we do. This is the minig, and the source is tikunei, zohar. tikunei and The Gemara doesn't say, but in zohar it's brought Tikun zohar to be mekadesh betabas, to, to patrol the woman with a ring. and That's what that's what Klai Yisrael does today. Chosin puts a ring on the collar's finger, but it's essentially shavikesef, it's essentially something that's worth money. You can also do it with a dollar bill, you can also do it with a hundred dollar bill, you can even do it with a million dollars if you want. So it's explained, I once saw, a tabas, a tabas, a ring, is very similar to the tzimtzum. Right? Because you have... An empty space. You have what's called a chalal, a mukimponi. It's called little mukimponi, empty space, and then you have the light that circle encircles it, and it's a circle. The Arizal says that the symptom is a circle. The chalal is a circle. That's the picture. Why is that important? Because the circle, ah, huh, equal exactly equidistant from all parts of the circle, right? It's 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 the exact distance. Because the tzimtzum is radical, the tzimtzum is, is, is so powerful. So the tabas, you have the silver or the gold, whatever type of ring it is, that encircles the chasuna, that encircles, encircles, uh, encircles the empty space. And then you have them. You have to have the empty space. Cause if you don't have an empty space in the ring, if you don't hollow it out, you can't put it onto the finger. Right? Where are you going to put it? You could put it into your hand, but you want to put it on the finger. You put it on the finger, and she she tightens it on the finger. Sir, so, so the finger is the radius that extends out, that extends into the circle. Oh. so the finger becomes the space. The finger, the space of the ring, could now adorn and dress the finger. So it says in Kabbalah that essentially this is repris- rep- manifestation of tzimtzum, because the Marshall we're learning about mashpiya and Makabal is really in every relationship. In every relationship. The first thing that's required in a relationship is tzimtzum. Space. And it's not a small thing. (laughs) It's not a small thing. (laughs) It sounds easier than it is to do. The creation of space could be a very, very difficult thing. What does it mean, literally space? I have to create space where I let you into my life. If I don't create that space, if I'm filling the entire space of my life, you can't come in. There's no space for you. And, that, and creating space is the prerequisite. Because it means I'm s- carving out a place in myself where you can exist. Where there's a relationship with you. And you, not on my terms. I could say, oh, you know, I'll have a relationship with you on my terms. I don't have to carve out space. You carve out space. You fit in. I'm not going to fit in. But that's not a relationship. That's a relationship with me, not with you. Huh? <laughs> well, with a woman, it's a little different because Hashem made her space. Hashem, the Rechem, Hashem created that the woman has space. <laughs> that Tzimtzum is, is, is the way she was created. Do you understand? The word Rechem, womb, the Maral says, comes from the word Rachmanus, compassion. A womb means a place of empathy. We, what's, what does a womb do? A womb doesn't create a baby, a womb contains a child. That's what a womb does. Creates a space where the infant, where the fetus can be safe. And that's what Rechem is. That's what Rechem is. Compassion is, I can't change your situation, but I could contain you. It's called being an empathetic witness. And that's very powerful. We think it's nothing. Women know Rechem is everything. You say, what's empathy? Give me a loan. Give me a loan. You know, fine, I understand. You know, sometimes men are very solution-oriented. You tell me a problem, I'll tell you what to do. I don't need you to tell me what to do. The question is, can you contain? Can you become an empty space? You could just contain. It's not easy. Without my opinions, without inserting everything I know about this, just contain what is. In other words, it's really believing that the person has the answers. You just have to be able to give them space. And it's a very interesting thing. When you do it, you see that people have their own answers. People have answers. But they, what, what I need to do is really validate, really give it space. And then it already comes out what has to come out. So in every mashpia mekabel, the first thing, Hashem created the world because He wanted to get married. <laughs> the whole shirashidim, Ani l'doydi Doidi, li, Elu, Ani l'doydi Doidi li. What's the first thing you have to do before marriage? Tzimtzum. If you're not ready for tzimtzum, you're not ready for a relationship. So tzimtzum is not just some cosmic, transcendental, spiritual idea. Tzimtzum is really the driving force of life. Tzimtzum is really that courageous act of withdrawing myself and truly creating space for the other. Now you have to understand that this could be very, very risky for a person. Because if I'm creating an empty space and I'm letting you in... What happens if in my mind you're dangerous? And it's not that you're dangerous. In my mind you're dangerous. Why? Because every relationship is dangerous. Why? Because the last time I opened myself up to a relationship, what happened? You didn't just come into the empty space. You came in with a dagger, psychologically or spiritually. I'm not making any tzimtzum, sorry. <laughs> There's no tzimtzum. To make a tzimtzum is a very hard. It's not a simple thing to do tzimtzum. But what happens in this tzimtzum? He leaves over only that roshim, only that little, little roshim. Why can he leave over that roshim? Because that roshim, that little imprint of light, that could be communicated. That's like the mashpia. Before I teach, it's a relationship. I have to ask myself, what is my student capable of really receiving? If I'm going to start expressing a lot of teachers... A lot of communicators, they're busy expressing themselves. They're not teaching. You understand the difference? The Panam Yafis writes, you know the Panam Yafis was the Balafla, Aflo. rapinchus a student of the Magad. He was the Rav of Frankfurt, Frankfurt in Germany. He was from the Goinei Hadar. He wrote the Makna, Hamakna, Mesachis Kedushin. Haflo, HaMasachis Ksuvis, the Balafla, Aflo. is Harav, Pinchas, Levi, Ish, Horowitz. She so has a sefer called Ponim Yafas, on Chumash, very interesting sefer. Halachem at Kabbalah at Chassidus, it's a muuriv. So he says over there. I think in the introduction, I saw the Gemara says in Khagiga, "Im Harav Doimel Hashem Tzvaiz If you want to learn from somebody, make sure he's an angel. If the Rav, if your reb is like an angel, learn from him. If not, don't. Yeah, that's a great qualification, right? <laughs> Just canceled out. So, first of all, how are you supposed to know what an angel looks like? How are you supposed to know if your teacher is an angel? What's exactly what Pshat is a Malach? One way of saying it is, Asnishka <laughs> Mensch. Just joking. <laughs> not being a Mensch doesn't mean you're a Malach, right? It just means you're not a Mensch. So, uh, so he says something very, very interesting. He says it says in I'm gonna I'm going to uh I'm gonna give you the ability to walk around, to move around between these people who those who stand. So Chazal say and Angels, more or less, they stand in one place. It's like they orbit in their own station. The Shamas that come down into this world can really transform themselves. A malach, he is who he is, he's like pre programmed. Malach Mechol, you know, his moods are not changing. He is who he is. He's Chesed, Malach Gavriel, his So he's called an Oymid. So he says, the Rebbe, the Rav has to be Doimel, a Malach Hashem says like this, many teachers, they're giving a shear. I want to give a shear and I want to feel creative. I want to express myself. So what do I do? I don't want to stand in one place. I want to move and move and move and move and move. He said, but it's not what the student needs. If the Rav is like a Malach. He's ready to be an Oymud. He's ready to stand in one place. He learned the Gemara a thousand times. Why should he teach it again? Why should he teach it again? He wants to say Chidushim. That's not what the student needs. The student has to understand. Pshat the Mishnah. Taich up the Mishnah. Olive bays. No, I already learned that 72 years ago. Why I should not waste my time on you. Why should I waste I want to be a Mahalach. I want to be a Machadish. So they have the Rosh Shivi saying, nobody knows what hit them in the classroom. You ever saw that situation? Huh? You never saw? I'm here. I'm here. You skipped Yeshiva. <laughs> you understand? It's a, it's a big Nesayin. I want to express myself. I want to be a Mahalak. I already did this a hundred times. Let me go to the next level. Beautiful. So sit yourself and learn. says, so that's not a Rav, that's not a teacher. That's all part of the tzimtzum. So the yud is that which ultimately can be communicated to the to the person. Sometimes you're speaking to a teenager. You're saying beautiful things. The question is, can he hear? If he can't hear it, you didn't make a tzimtzum. I'm telling you, I can't hear what you're telling me. I'm not there. I have to get off my own horse, my own all-high horse, right? And forget about everything I know. <laughs> And just leave over that little, little, tiny yud. Which what is that relative to what I know? Maybe a minuscule, but that's what this person is capable of hearing. That's the helam. That's called the roshim, the reshimu of the o. In the terminology of Kabbalah, it's called koyachagvul. Within Hashem's light, there is the infinite capacity and the finite capacity. The infinite capacity, the world won't be able to contain because it's infinite. What could the world contain? The finite capacity. Pre the Tzimtzum, the light was one. The infinite and the finite were one. What did the Tzimtzum do? The Tzimtzum, so to speak, separated the infinite from the finite. The finite could remain. That's called the Roshim of the Eir. And that could ultimately vivify and animate and create all the worlds. typhus? So when you get married, that's the ring. When he puts on the ring, what is he saying? He's not just saying, Atma li. He's saying something very deep. That's also deep. He's saying something very deep. I carved out a space. be saying that we're in the image of Hashem. Hashem wanted a relationship. I want a relationship. What does it mean I want a relationship? I carved out a space in my infinite being, at least in my own mind, I'm infinite. In my infinite being, each one of us essentially is infinite because I am I, right? I know my world. I don't know your world. But I carved out a space in my being for your finger, for your presence, for your existence. That's the beginning. Now, if you just disappear from there, then there's no relationship. Hashem says, "Okay, here's an empty space. Goodbye, Charlie. I'm leaving." Then there's no marriage again. That's why he leaves over from the light. And as it says in Kabbalah in the footnote, he talks about there's something called the Kav. The kava is a line that comes from the ur er, outside of the empty space back into the khala. But now it's communicated through the yud, through the roshim. R- and since the roshim is ur er hagvul it's the finite air. Er, so that light doesn't overwhelm the worlds, but rather it creates the identity of the worlds to be able to be as they're supposed to be, having an identity. There's a sense of otherness that so there could be a relationship. What did you want to ask? To. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> if you don't know who you're talking to, you shouldn't talk. I'm invited to speak in a lot of places. The first thing I ask is, tell me who I'm talking to. And sometimes I'll come and I'll see they didn't know who I'm talking to. The person who organized it did not know who I'm talking to. Or he didn't tell me who I'm talking to. Right? And I got to scratch it. You take, I take it, put it in the garbage. It's worthless. You have to know who you're talking to, always. Okay, yes, there are generic things that you could tell to any, you know, there are things, you know but if if you really want to if if it's an erpnimi not an ermachif if you want to impact you have to know who you're talking to you have to understand their sensitivities their sensibilities silence, silence always works it's the best message i sometimes see, i see it in classrooms in yeshivas it's very painful you can have a, a classroom there's 30 boys or 30 girls they're bright they're uh, they're smart. They're deep, and the people communicating to them just don't know them. They don't understand. They don't feel them. You have to. They don't get them, and they're talking. And they're like so. I don't know what the word is. So removed. It's not that they're upset that he's saying something wrong. No, everyone means well, but it's like they just so shut down. You know that lack of interest on people's faces. Your age, you don't do it anymore because you're gentlemen. But when you're 16, you're not trying to impress anybody, right? You know what I mean? So they give you that look on their face like, like, really? Is this all you have to say for yourself? It's not even a criticism. It's just like, I'm so shut down. There's this sense of, of removal. Why Why is that? Why is that? Because there's nothing that, say, that you're saying that's speaking to my soul. That's speaking to me. And suddenly you have a person comes in, right? And he starts speaking a different language in the sense of he's addressing what they're dealing with. And you see from their face that was so removed, they suddenly start smirking, not too much, because they don't want to show that they're interested, because they can get hurt again, you know what I mean? You don't want to show up and then <laughs> get dejected again. But after a while, you know, they the, the faces start melting, the cynicism... The removal starts melting and you see a This resurrection. What happened? And I'm not blaming it's not it's not judgment, it's just you really have to, you have to unless you're just talking about intellectual abstract things that have no relevance, fine. But that's not what education is, that's not what a rav is for. Hashem Tzvayis. It's to be an Aymid Nishka mahalach. It's a Gishma Kapshat, huh? yafus. So I just want to go a few minutes here because I want to finish the Indian here. <laughs> this is still concealed. We said it's a Yud. But from this Yud comes a Kav, a line, a thread. That's like a Vav. It's a Hay, it's a Vav. This is already the Yud being developed into a light that can be relatable. V'neishis islapshusa yahu adam kadman. This is again very well known terminology in Kabbalah, although it's abstract. The beginning of its islapshus, the beginning of where the Kav is manifested, is a state of reality that's called in Teres Kabbalah adam kadman, the primordial adam, adam kadman. That's to so to speak the first reality that emerges through the kaf. And when we speak about all these realities, they're not realities that live somewhere in some planet. It's states of consciousness. It's all here. There's reality the way it's perceived pre-simpsum. There's reality post-simpsum. The first reality post-simpsum is called Adam Kadma. There's a something called in 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 mathematics. Nakuda, kav, shetach. Nekuda is a seminal point. Kav is like a vav, a line. So there's length, and then shetach is you have length and breadth. tehiru ila simtsum. In Zoyar, this is called the higher light. Tehiru means light. The higher light post simpsum. this. It says in Zoyar, glif glifu b'tehiru ilah. Hashem engraved reality with the higher light. In Adam Kadman you have included the entire structure of existence from the highest level to the lowest level. It's all in Adam Kadman. It would be like a person has a dream. You want to create a company or anything you want to create. You want to build a house. That dream includes three, four words, but it has everything in it. To flesh it out can take you 20 years, especially if you're dealing with certain contractors. But the dream, right? you have a dream, you want to build this type of house, you want to build this type of company. You, want, you know exactly what it is. That dream has everything in it. Till the last desk, till the last computer in that office, it's all in that dream. But in that dream, it's all one kuda. Then that's called Adam Kadman. In Adam Kadman you have everything, but it's an akuddh, it's a point. That's the first place where the Kav from pre simpsum is manifested. And then from Adam Kadman it's fleshed out. That's called Adam Kadman. So we have two elements in the light. You have the light pre-Tzimtzum that filled the entire space. And then you have the light that comes post-Tzimtzum into the empty space. This is called the light of the line. Again, what's that line? The line is the line that comes from the light above and it comes into the empty space. But it's only a line because it's restricted. And it goes through the Yud, the Roshim, the reshimu, the imprint that remained. The first light is the first Gili from Main Tsoy. And that morphs into Tzimtzum. That light goes into concealment. And then from the Nakuda, from the Yud, you have a new Ur. That's the Ur that can be relatable to the student. So you have the original Ur, or, from that Gilu came helam, from that Gilu came Chalshech, and then from the Chalshech, from that Yud, comes a new Gilu, the Ur HaKav, which extends from that Yud, and can relate to all the worlds. Again, we have this paradox. We spoke before about Chachem and we have the same paradox. From the original O of Ain Soif comes concealment in Simtsum. And even the light that remains in the empty space, which is a is still, completely non-expansive. And then from this helm, that's developed into light, which is the kavanachut. This is what we say in Davening, in Mairev. What does that mean? Literally it means, he wraps up like Glila. You know, you wrap up the Sefer Torah he wraps up the light because of the darkness and then he wraps up the darkness because of the light so literally it means that when sunset happens you know he does galila, he does galila on the sun <laughs> wraps up the light so to speak let's wrap up the day because it's time for darkness and then before dawn break and sunrise now you wrap up the darkness let's wrap up the night it's time for dawn but it starts in a deeper space. He says this. First he wraps up the Oir, the Oir of pre-Tzimtzum, the infinite manifestation of Ein gets wrapped up in order for there to be a Tzimtzum, in order for there to be a concealment so there should be able to be a reality that perceives itself. Outside of Hashem, that's the tzimtzum. And all of the light, what happens to it, it all gets condensed into a yud. Really? Infinity? Yeah, all of infinity got condensed into a yud. Because if it wouldn't be condensed into a yud, it would be overwhelming, there would be no room. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as is, pure infinity. That's the goy l'loyem pnei but if you just remain there, you're left with darkness. So he says, mipnei Now there's another galila. <laughs> now you gotta wrap up the helem. you gotta wrap up the concealment for the Ur er, that from the yud there has to be now a new revelation in the post-simpsum reality that's relatable to post-simpsum, and that's the ur er that comes after the Simpsum. So this is the same same duality, like he says in the kitzer, Gilui vehem besharsham vi you have Gilui and Helam and bina. but now we're talking in the source and the unity of the two. What is it? Ershalifne tzimtzum. That's Gilui. Then you have Tzimtzum Viroishem kinakuda That's Helam, and then you have Eir Hakav, the light of the Kav, that emerges from the Yud. It's like developing the Yud, fleshing out the Yud, extracting that light from the concealment, that can then be relatable to the world, but it could only be from the Yud. Because if it would be pre the Yud, it would be too, it would be, it ain't so. it would be Bli The Yud is called kaya Hagvol, that, that capacity of Hashem to be fine, and that's, that's why it could be relatable to the worlds. But the Kav doesn't come before the Yud? Uh, you're asking a good question. <laughs> you're asking a good question. You're asking a question. How do I know it's a good question? That's the footnote. <laughs> if you see the foot, the long foot on the Kudus Hadeshim, and Nimshe Wakav, you see? He says, <laughs> the Rizal says the Kav comes from the eagle, it comes from the light above the circle, the eagle hagadl it's called. Or even from a deeper place, from the Udin Soif, where Bakhlid Simpson completely was not affected. It didn't even affect that it should stay out of the circle. And here he's saying the kav is from the yud, right? And those two explanations in Kabbalah is two explanations how you see the Kav. But that's beyond this Shir. There's two ways of understanding the Kav. And both are true. So he says, close to the three lines from the end of that footnote. Yeah, the Kav comes through the Tzimtsum, comes through the Roshim. Even if the Kav comes from that light, right? When it comes in back to the empty space, it's working with the tzimtzum. It's going back into the empty space. It's going back into the yud, back into the tzimtzum and the roshim of the tzimtzum. So it already recreates the kav too. It affects the kav, right? Yeah, very good. It's literally like a valve. Yeah, the yud, the yud is not the kav. The yud is the the roshim that's left from the light, the light that's concealed the, the pre some light that's concealed, what's left of it is a yud. In a revealed way, what's left of it is a yud. That it's all condensed into a seminal, seminal point. It's all concealed into that yud. Like the mashpiya who conceals his entire expanse of wisdom into a yud because that's what he could communicate to the, to, the t- to the student. It's all there, but it's concealed. All that student is capable is the yud. You know, you're learning with a five-year-old, a Pasuk Chumash. You may know every single commentator on this Pasuk Chumash. And it may conjure up brilliant ideas. But you've got to condense it all into, into a Yud. Which is what Chumash really is. All the stories. Yosef and his brothers and Esav and Yaakov and Yishmael and Kain and havel What is it really? <laughs> you could learn them a million years and still not understand it. But it's all condensed. That even a six-year-old is learning it. Wow, it's a nice story. And it's true, it's a nice story. <laughs> but it has deeper and deeper and deeper. Like the Gemara says, it takes sometimes 40 years for a student to understand what his Rebbe said. Why? Because you got the Yud, you have it all. But I got the Yud and now I have to flesh out what's inside of there. And that includes a He and then a Vav and then another He that comes after that. Okay, so let's finish the point here. Oh, wow, it's so late. <laughs> okay. Be another few minutes. I just want to finish the point here. He says, This is Shaykh when there had to be hashpah when there had to be a flow from Hashem so that ain't so should be able to be a source for all of the worlds clear the earth the earth of Hashem itself is completely undefined and infinite like the mashpia the marshal who's completely in a different world than the student so if that is representative, that's going to be revealed, you won't be able to be a student. And remember here, you're not teaching the student, you're creating the student. So it's much deeper. So therefore, he has to conceal the whole essence and just leave over one nekuda. And that's the idea. The old one nekuda is the divine energy that could be an engine for all of the worlds. A mucker for Yishtar It could become the consciousness of the world. That's the yut. But that's still concealed. From there, you have to spread it The Yud has to become a Vav. There has to be a Kav, which reveals it. So he says, This is what Rabbi Yehuda meant. When he asked about the goats, why do the goats go ahead of the sheep? He said, it's like the creation of the world, first darkness, then light. Then light. When he decided to go into the process of creation, in other words, you want to be mashpia, you want to be in a relationship. If there wouldn't be a process of creation, you don't need all this. <laughs> if I want to live myself, I don't need all this. But when he wanted to go out of himself and become a mashpia, what's part of mashpia? I want to give, I want to connect. So now, this is the process. You want to go out of your own orbit. This is called Diluga Erech leaving my own orbit and connecting. So now, first thing you need, you need the concealment. And then there's light. And the same is true throughout all of existence. He says, it's not just in the beginning. Any level, any state of consciousness where you want to really connect with someone or something outside of your own identity, you're going to have this process. All the way down to goats and sheep, <laughs> all the way down to a farm. From Atsilas, which is already in a much lower place than Adam Kadman, from Atsilas to the three worlds, first, first thing, there has to be a Tzimtzum of Atsilas, and then the light can be revealed into Briyat Tzirasiya. If there's no Tzimtzum, there won't be space for b'ri yitzirasi. It's just going to be a continuum of me. It's not going to be a relationship with you. <laughs> Atzilis is considered an intermediary between the matzl, between the source and the creation. It's also this way. <laughs> the light of the essence is concealed and only one point remains, because this can ultimately be revealed. This has in it the ability to be communicated. So what happens in the source with the Tzimtzum and the Kav happens much later in Chachma versus bina. Bina is like the light that comes from the Chay of the Yud. This is the way he becomes a source for the world. Pre-creation, it's him and his name. You have only the air because it's not yet in a state of flow of communication. It's who Shmai balvad. His name is just part of him. Yes, does Hashem always have the capacity for being finite? Is the source of the world there? Yeah, it's there before creation also. But it's just part of Ein Sof. It's completely subsumed in him. The name is not separate. Because there's no willingness, there's no, at this moment, there's no momentum of Ashbah cuz the aidin say filled the entire space which we call today an empty space there was no empty space as it says in the shaya all of mtsis was filled with Einstein. The only definition, in other words, if we lived, and there's some souls this way, if we lived in a pre symptom consciousness, the only definition of reality would be infinity, Einstein. There'd be no other definition. You'll say, talk to me about... <laughs> about... <laughs> I wouldn't even know what you're talking about. The symptom created a paradigm shift in the very fabric of existence. There could be a conversation about an empty space. An empty space of what? Of Ein Seif. Before Kavayachal, he had this Rotsan to create. So he finishes a Chavtas. Beautiful. It's like the Rav, before he's in a mode of communication, before he wants to communicate and give to the student. He's learning by himself, yeah? He's learning by himself. He doesn't need any (laughs) tzimtzum. His whole light can fill his brain. His whole genius, his whole... On the contrary, you don't want to conceal anything. Why should you conceal? The Rekhachava once said that the hardest day for him is Shabbos. The hardest day is Shabbos. Why? Because he's always right, always right. He said, not on Shabbos. He says, there's so much going on in his brain that the pen, he uses the pen or the pencil, it creates some type of container, (laughs) some type of tzimtzum, you know, you have to sit and write, even though his writing was a shvach tzimtzum. That's why it's so hard to understand. But still, you need oisius. But he said on Shabbos he can't write, obviously, so the mind doesn't stop pulsating with ideas, and there's no way of of, of containing it. (laughs) So it's the the hardest day for him was Shabbos. He used to daven Nasser, very, very fast. He davened fast. So once the in Shli was the Rav of Dvinsk, the Rav of the Chesidim in Dvinsk. Today it's Latvia. So the Rav, the Sham the Gabay told him, you know, usually the Rav, uh, <laughs> daven's longer and everybody waits for him. He says, what should I do? I finished davening. He went, <laughs> so, uh, so he says, yeah, but, you know, maybe when you finish davening, he says, before you go back three steps, think through a mesecta of Gemara, and then he says shenach <laughs> them. I, I do I do that already. <laughs> the point is when the raver is by himself, I don't need the tzimtzum, right? You're in your own, you're in your own, uh, you're in your own mode. The kaidem shalibertzene kavayacha livre. It ain't a shaychin you not tzimtzum klam. Again, kaidem here doesn't mean time. Kaidem means in reality. In the space that's pre the Viratsin to create. You don't the, the whole engine of Tsimzum is not Shayek. The heir pchinus o' at me dain so come shoot me. What was shining, what was manifested was the essential essential ood of ain't sof as it is. Ulazois, call mash pchinus sim vispastus, shinikra hellem vegili binyinashba. So everything that happens in Simtsum, what happens? There is concealment, there is revelation, there is concealment, there is revelation, there is concealment, from the revelation comes concealment, from the concealment comes revelation. From from Er from, Eintsov from comes Tzimtzum. And the Rosham of the Tzimtzum. From there comes Gilui and Kav. Yeah. From Atzillus comes concealment. From there comes the Yud. But then there comes the Gilui and Tabiyah. Chachma is concealment from the Ayin. But there from there comes the Gilui and Tabina. All that, all this whole flow, this whole duality, the two things... In the source of Erein Soif, they're identical, they're one. You can't say over there, the Helem precedes the Gilui, which is the Tzimtzum, or the Gilui creates Helem. Shneiim Shavon Mamash, over there they're one. shagam v'at nikra g'ilui kame, Because even the k'yach of Helem is called Revelation. nikra helem. And the Revelation is called Concealment. kame it says in Tehillim, Kuflamatas, right? Kachashecha ka'odah, like darkness, like light. What does it mean? It means that darkness and light are the same. The gam choshech lo yachshech, the gam choshech shuat simtsum v'helam, einu nikre choshech velam nagabe'odah atzmos dainseif. Even choshech, what we call simtsum, it's not darkness when you're talking about the odah of the itself, pre simtsum. O kamei kina gilu shach na helam v'atzmsum shenikreir gam huloi nikreir begilu. And the gili after the halim is also not necessarily called er. Kamaimer. it says in Zoyar, er tzach, the highest, most beautiful lights, ukamu, it's dark, kadam ilas Ilus. The point is as follows. The duality of concealment and gilu happens already in the mode of tzimtzum, in the mode of ashpah. When I want to communicate to the worlds, there's now a process where the infinity needs to be condensed into the finite and it becomes concealed. And then that has to go through a process of revelation. That's all in a state of ashpa When the teacher is by himself, in a pre-creation mode, in a pre-ashpah mode, in a pre symptom mode, he says, over there, there's no duality. The two are completely, completely one. You don't say, over there, the concealment comes before the revelation. The whole tzimtzum doesn't exist over there. Everything is one. There's the power of infinity. There's the power of finiteness. The power of infinity is part of finiteness. The power of finiteness is part of infinity. So you're not going to say the concealment precedes the revelation, which is the symptom. First, he needs symptom for himself. He doesn't need symptom, and then the symptom brings to another revelation, and from the revelation comes concealment, and then from the concealment comes revelation. Over there it's one. He says, even the power of Helam, the power of Tzimtzum, it's called revealed by him because it's part of his revelation. It's like the teacher himself. There's no duality over there within his own world. The recipient perceives it in different ways. But in the core, the two are one. And even the revelation that we're calling revelation post-Tzimtzum is called concealment. Even the highest Eir, if you just define it by Eir, it's Uk'amu, Kair ka'irashavim. So what we're calling tzimtzum and helam darkness, lagabe the it's not really dark, it's not really tzimtzum, and it's not really helam, because it's like the teacher knows the full wisdom in himself. It's not like it's really divorced for the recipient. It's called helam, and the gilui after the helam, which we call oyer over there, it's not gilui. It's actually that could be called concealment. And therefore, from that space, the two always reconnect. Since in the source, we now go back to the same theme we've been talking about. That real unity doesn't doesn't negate paradoxes. On the contrary, the paradoxes are part of the unity. Because in the source, chasheche and oira are not just coexisting. They're one. Because it's not defined in one way or another. So the darkness and light are one. So over there, there's complete unity between the two. So even with the way it comes out, post symptom they become inseparable. They become one. And one brings to the other. Even though in our consciousness there's a duality, but ultimately... Both become one. The concealment of the yud comes out in the hay, like the chachma comes out in the bina. And then from the revelation of hay, you have another concealment in order to bring it to the next level. And also the Helem, because it has to go back to chachma. <speaking in Hebrew> like we said, chachma brings to Binnah, and Binnah brings back to chachma. So chachma brings to Revelation, and Revelation goes back to concealment. <speaking in Hebrew> and the chachma Binnah <Hebrew> integrated one with another. integrated <speaking> one in with another. <Hebrew> Because ultimately, you have present in Havaya the essential Ur, which is completely beyond all the worlds. It transcends the definition of concealment and the definition of revelation. And therefore, even the way it trickles down and it comes out in two distinct identities of Chachma and Bina, there's complete unity and integration between them, even though there's a duality, helem and gilui, b'rei shech of shech ha they're ultimately they're not separable. Why? Because it's a manifestation of the oira atzmi, of the essential or pre-tzimtzum, and over there the two are not contradictory. So even though in our world it comes out in different ways in order to be able to allow us to be kalem to be vessels for it, but ultimately there's always the nekudah of achdus which represents the truth, that in its source it's undefined, even if we have to go through a process to be able to get back to that point. So therefore, it's only in the duality where you come to the real unity. So this is back to the whole point. As long as there's no paradox, so then I never come to the real unity. I only come to a very small type of unity, the unity that is manifested in my own identity. It's in the space that I create for you and in the space that you create for me, which l'chayda can create conflict because we're so different. But here, we actually begin to touch the true source where all the paradoxes are one. Where Havai and Elikim are completely one. Where Chachma and bin are one. Where Choshech and Oira are one. How does that come out in our life? It comes out in our life in the art of unity within diversity. Not unity that negates diversity. Unity that includes, includes diversity. When a person is connected to that space of the etzem, of the ain't soif, so then the two are not really contradicting each other. Because both both not only coexist, both are really completely one. Again, the way it comes out in a world of definition is, this is called helem, this is called gilu, this is called chayshak, this is called oy. But in the core, this is not called darkness, and this is not called light. They're both not called darkness. They're both not called light. It's part of the undefined oneness that includes both of them in their full glory and their full majesty. And you're not going to call this is Ered and this is Cheshach, this is Elem. On another level, this can be, the light Could be called darkness and the darkness could be called light. But it's really one Akhuda. So that's why it comes out, the way it comes out in the world is always that there's always the drive for unity within the diversity and for unity within humanity and for unity within yourself and for unity with, with, in all your relationships, because that truth trickles down on every level. So even if we have to process it, go through our process, but ultimately, that's manifested. And therefore, there is always the yichud and the skalalus of the two. So Mela this summarizes this point: how when you understand the whole source of creation all the way back to the beginning, you see why paradoxes are essential for unity, like the snake suvma makutshim zaseh. And it trickles down literally on all levels, from pre-tzimtzum to post-tzimtzum, to chachma, to bina, to tzilis, to bia, all the way down to the relationships between people. And that's what Midyan, Midyan, who defies that, defies that, and creates Madoin and meriva, and was, will, will not allow that relationship to happen. What we call sinas khinam is nikmas hashembe Midyan. It's a nikma of yud ke vavke, the yud and the he and the vav and the he, which represents the source of ultimate actus of ultimate unity. Not where you negate the different levels, but where ultimately they all contribute to oneness. So it's a nikmas Hashem media that Moshe wanted to accomplish this before his stalkus to be able to eliminate this challenge because it's such a real challenge in life because we get stuck in identity. I get stuck in this is who I think I am, and therefore. I get into my bubble, I get into my box, and, and you threaten me. And the ability of Yichud is the ability of expansiveness and openness to the true uh, infinite nature, to the true infinite nature of reality. So now back to the Bzeda and Reb Yehuda. and Reb says, you can ask anything about the Chalal Ha'olam, which means the space of the world, which means post-zimtzum reality. So he asked a good question. Why is there always blackness before whiteness? You know, why do the goats go? He wasn't only ta- asking about goats; he was asking about life. And Rabbi Huda said something very deep. You have to understand how Briyasa works. Bereisha Chashaycha Vahad The darkness precedes the light. In other words, in order to be able to experience the reality, I go through a symptom. What's the symptom? The symptom is with the infinite has to be condensed and from my perception it can be seen as complete darkness, ka chashaycha. Why is it called chashecha? Because I can't be macablet. The it. The way it is, I can't be macabul, And that's the process of the concealment that allows for there to be a sense of separateness, a sense of identity, a sense of I. But it doesn't remain by chashecha. The chashecha is the rupture that allows there to be identity. Then there's the Hader Then there's the Ur the, that comes after that. And that comes from the Chayshech. We said the Helen brings to and the gili brings to helen Why? The two should never meet. Because that's rooted in a place that's beyond darkness and beyond light. Everybody have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. We will resume our sheer Monday morning, 7.45. We'll be learning a Maimir connected to this time of the year, Elul Rosh Hashanah, etc. Oh, we did this once. This symbol, (laughs) is this what Rebbe is the The darkness is identified in the Gomorrah, the light of creation? I mentioned that before, that there's a source in the Gomorrah for that, and I got it right. Oh, he says, actually, uh-huh. that Rebelezer says, and Leza, before the creation was Hashem and his name alone. But this image is from the Arizal, yeah? I don't know if we could see. This image is from the Arizal, the circle. This is the tzimtzum. Right. So this is the tzimtzum. And then there's the kav that comes in to the Tzimtzum. But even in the Tzimtzum, there remains a little Roshim, a little residue of light. This isn't is what Ribelezbind Hortens is speaking about. The right. He's speaking tzimtzum. yeah, here Rabbi says before creation was him and his name alone. There was nothing outside because the name was part of him. In other words, the finite capacity to create all the worlds was part of completely part of infinity. There was no distinction. So he says is isn't so It's his name alone. Yeah. So if a person wanted to look up that Perkei Rabbi Eliezer, because I, I have a comment you that I've had a discussion with him about the source. If there's a source for Perkei Rabbi Eliezer, chapter three, Peirik Gimel, Nivra Olam Hayahu This is Perik of Zion. And which footnote is it? Footnote one thirty nine. Footnote one thirty nine. So so pre pre creation, the name is completely part of him. There's no distinction. There's no duality whatsoever. Concealment, revelation, it's all one. Once there's a process of bringing in the student and I want to communicate, that's the, uh, suddenly the whole circle, the whole symptom is created and there's concealment and suddenly there's darkness. But that darkness is only part of the process of creating a relationship. So the darkness is not really substantial in the sense that it has ultimate reality. It's just a way of the teacher connecting to the student without eliminating him. And therefore from the darkness will come light because the darkness is not real. Exactly. Pre-circle is just a teacher. It's not even called a teacher. <laughs> no label, right? Once the teacher wants to communicate to the student, so the darkness is essential. Not because I want darkness. Because I want to be able to connect. I want to be able to give me to you and you to me. Anila So therefore, the tzimtzum is a process of bringing the infinite into the finite. If there's no tzimtzum, there can't be finite. So the tzimtzum is really only a process that we experience in order to be able to grasp the infinite. And therefore, the darkness is never absolute. The darkness is a prelude to light. And therefore, the light will then bring, be back to the source. Like we said, Chachma will bring to Bina, and Bina will bring me back to Chachma. Either opposites, they're opposites the way we define reality in terms of duality, in terms of definition. Right. But in the term of undefined infinity, they're completely one. On the contrary. One, therefore, has to bring to the other. The other has to bring to the other. So it seems that is Pashit, the, the, the Re, Re, Roshim doesn't... How do they deal with the fact that there's only one and it works both ways when they, when they say it's Pashit? Oh, very good. So because it's really one, therefore it works both ways. In other words, even when there is something that we would perceive as a duality, it's never an absolute duality. Right. So how does it withdraw then? I don't understand oh, the concept of the withdrawal is a process in order to be able to allow for the relationship. But there's always a flippers. So why? How could you say that it's? Not... Uh, so the imprint is what allows the student to receive the light without melting. I'm asking those that say that Simson. is Oh, 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 those who say that the so symptoms was kipshutah. There's, there's always a relation. It, it, it right. works both ways, so how do they deal with the, the fact of paradox? Because to say that it's not, it's like the gatekeeper at Kabiakal stopped at a certain point, right? The, or the, the timekeeper set the thing in motion and then step back. I don't understand how that has a, it doesn't seem to be consistent. Reb Nachman writes in the Kutin Maran, he says that, uh, Some questions have answers, (laughs) and some questions don't have answers. You just have to be comfortable with paradox. So he says the questions that have answers, he says those are questions where the light is concealed. The questions that don't have answers, they have to be comfortable with paradox, as they come from the place of tzimtzum. (laughs) The place of tzimtzum is a place of paradox. It looks like it's completely dark. But it's completely light. <laughs> so it's you have to deal with the fact that that is a paradox. That is a paradox. And that paradox is essential to reality. And really we're learning that that paradox brings you closer to oneness. So I have to embrace it. Because if I don't embrace it, I don't get closer to oneness. I cut off oneness. That's the beauty of a relationship. The beauty a relationship is connecting with the paradox brings me closer to oneness. If I don't connect to the paradox, I can't be connected to the oneness. So therefore, essentially, even in the paradox, there's going to be an imprint of the oneness. And that's why the two work together. And on that they bring each other to each other so that ultimately there could be the full integration of the individuality with the attachment. The Tsimtsam allows for individuality, for otherness, for distinctiveness. The Gilui creates attachment, connection where you cease to be separate. Are the two one or not? They're experienced as different. I am I, and you are you. And we need that. Because if we don't have that, if I'm you and you're me, it's just a chalent. And everything gets confused. There's no boundaries. And there's no individuality anymore. I lose it. So there's no tzimtzum anymore. So there's no I. But the point here was the synthesis, the integration. So therefore, we go through that process where there's I, in other words, there's symptom. so there's individuation, there's separateness, there's distinctiveness, there's my process, my emotions, my experiences, my life story. But then, that comes, that brings me to a place of gilay, of attachment. But the attachment further creates hellam concealment, so there should be authenticity and individuation. And yet, that brings me further back to attachment, because in the source, the two are completely one but it's played out in our world through that duality which also becomes one through working through that process you understand? <laughs> the, the Moshe in us the Moshe in us is the the Kayachma the, the, <inaudible> the bittel allows there to be like he said before right? what is it? the Moshe Rabbeinu is the Kayachma Moshe is the bittel Atzmi Moshe gives Neshama's the power to fight with Midian. The Bittl means that I'm not living in a space of yeshus in a space of separateness. I'm living in a space of ain't safe. And therefore, I'm not afraid of you, and I'm not afraid of paradox. I'm not going to melt. <laughs> I don't have to run away from the relationship. I can open myself up to the relationship. Huh? It says it says in megala HaMukas... Moshe, as Rosh Hatevis, Moshe, Shamay Hillel. Or some say, Machlaikas Shamay Hillel. Why is that Moshe? Because the unity. That unity. Because the bittl of Moshe includes Moshe, Shamay, and Hillel, and the debate, the Machlaikas. Machlaikas, Moshe, Machlaikas Shamay Hillel. Machlaikas Lashem Shamayim, Seifel Iskayim. Right? not that like Kayrech against Moshe. It's like the Machlaikas that we have Lashem Shamayim is Hillel, and Shammai. That's Moshe. Moshe includes them both. Either opposites. But there's no hatred. There's no animosity. Because it's rooted in the ultimate achdos. In the ultimate achdos, you don't have to be afraid of paradoxes. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just have to wish you a wonderful, thank you, good Shabbos, and thank you for your always incredible Torah. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure to have you. And a lot of, and of, and the <laughs> and the of the It's, so, it's so much better than just on the video. But the video is also great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. So the chasalam of the of Like the feeling of the finger, of the arm, that's a bit yeah? I have a lot of people who are living in the world. They are living in the world. That's it. 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 So that's a kav and chut Kav is the line, chut is the thread, or beday is the einzach. Kav and chut, kuvov Kav and chut. Sitot zvei inyanim kav and chut, or beday that men einzach. The kav dos is the gili for nachin simtsum. The kav, the kav is the gilui for nachin simtsum. The kav is mefatayach. The kav antvikkelt. The kav is megalv. What is in the yud? Dos adayinian. What is? And <inaudible> <inaudible> the Yud alone is de the Velt, Karnas ish Kav, the kav is the Indian Gilui. The is the koyech koyech Kav is the Koyech HaGilui. The kav the Gilui in the Yud. The Kav brengt arroz the Gilui in the Yud. The Mele ish in the Yud, while on the Yud, zijn ishankin Gilui. So, so fill darf als Nellum werden in der Jud, aber der Jud ist doch als Helm, der Kude, der Talmud kann es nicht nehmen, das Ayan. In der Kav, zusammen mit der Jud, der Kav kommt zu der Reschimu, und das ist mit Gala, der Kajach, der Gilu in der Reschimu, und das bringt der Gilu ein Zeuf zu der Welt, aber in der Öfen, der Kav, und das gewinnt Bligwul, und nicht gewinnt Scheich. Der Kav bringt uns die Gilu in der Jud, die Gilu von der Gewul, und das macht die Welt. Verstehst Nicht <Diamonds> <autonomics> mm-hmm. hmm. <listened to> the name of the Jews, there is a cave. In the name of a In the name of to mamish, the Shimmo. The not in the same but says the cave, comes in the Yud, the cave, von the is the von in seiner Welt. Verstehst? ja, the hemschik von ette, the shishonne ette. The suk is my man von tophrich ein. Let's say von as you go, you can see in You can it is for The is a maz. In the Haggah, there yeah. is a the Kav. And the a brings it from the a the the Shimu is not a good thing. The Shimu is not a Malchus The is not a good The Shimu is a is The Shimu is The thing. The is The